Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4,257 of The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world, the one truly reliable source of verifiable lies in the entire universe, a title, no, a responsibility, no, a destiny, which we take very seriously indeed. I'm Andy Zaltzman, three-time world triple jump champion, an author of a 12-volume history of the harpsichord, sadly out of print. I'm in the shed of heroically indefatigable truth. Sorry, I'm... (laughs) I'm terrible with acronyms and titles, (laughs) as I've just proved twice in this paragraph of risibly inadequate comedic kickoff at three times, at three times. Joining me today, uh, from over there, as I look at over there, but further, (laughs) I I realise this is an audio podcast, you couldn't see which way I was pointing, and you don't even know which way I was facing when I was pointing, Um, (laughs) but I was pointing north (laughs) and west, (laughs) from north of me. A little bit in London, Tiffany Stevenson, and from quite a long way west, Josh Gondelman. Hello, both of you. Hello. Hello. So happy to be here all the way west on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great country album. Yeah, but, it is. Yeah. It's um, it's it's honestly kind of a an East Coast West Coast hip hop bridge building effort <laughs> from the '90s that did not work, so we switched to country. <laughs> Uh, how are you, Tiff? I'm good. It just there was just sleet, just very briefly outside the window. The cat is complaining, and I'm wearing, you know, again audio podcast, but I'm wearing a very <laughs> very loud yep. jumper, very bright colours because I feel like I just need that energy to push me through into spring proper. I just yeah. need the happiness of colour because it's. I mean, it's not not far off now. Uh, the the clocks in. Uh, in the UK go forward this weekend. Josh, they went forward in New York last week, hence yeah. you clocked onto this uh, this Zoom call to record an hour early. Yep. So can you just fill us in on you know, what you've been saying for the last hour that would have made a sensational podcast? It was been recording incredible. It? I was on fire. <laughs> it felt like being in the future and the past at the same time. So I was kind of like a Kurt Vonnegut hero of comedy. And it just, gosh, it, it it's a shame that I wasn't recording because... I don't know, Pulitzer, Nobel, they're going to have to invent a new prize for what I was saying for the past hour. <laughs> America, could... behind us, yet also in front of. Mm-hmm. Yep. What was I... it George Bush said leading from behind? George W. Bush <laughs> said that at one point. And that's kind of my comedic style. <laughs> well, I look forward to this becoming, you know, this the lost Gondelman hour becoming one of those iconic myths in showbiz that is that's such a nicer way that's such a nicer thing to apply that term to uh because usually it's just the last hour of the night when i'm drunk with my dog watching (laughs) basketball on the west coast oh well we can remake it like they did with hancock's half hours the lost josh but you're just gonna have to decide who's gonna play you because it won't be for like 20 or 30 years Okay. At least. So who would you like to play you in the... Who's going to play 38-year-old me 20 years from now? Yeah. <laughs> I don't That's know. That's a tough I mean, question to answer. Isn't yeah. It? I guess like a either a... a 20 year old currently that's hanging in there or an eight year old that looks like shit (laughs) that's had a really rough life yeah do you know any real haggard eight year olds (laughs) charlie Uh, brown (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, that is. He had a tough I feel life, like to be fair. That is truly my vibe. Is like, <laughs> um, adult Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> We are recording on the 24th of March in the year 2023, just 420 short years to the day since Elizabeth I died uh, for the first and last time uh, in her life, as most people have already tended to die at some point uh, or other. Yeah, four, <laughs> 1603, the 24th, uh, 24th of March. Seems like yesterday. Uh, shit, that was a shoddy way of admitting I've discovered time travel. But uh, anyway, uh, it was. <laughs> We're all day. time traveling today. <laughs> <laughs> it was on this day in 1603, uh, Elizabeth I, renowned for her various nicknames, which included uh, Gloriana, or as we've now uh, found it should be pronounced, Glorianna. Um, <laughs> massive fan of uh of riri and indeed of glow um good queen best <laughs> known as good queen by comparison really because her predecessor her sister queen mary the first really liked setting people on fire so that was a pretty low bar to get over as a queen to just set fewer people on fire uh, and the uh, best stood for best at breakdancing interestingly and uh, also known as the virgin queen and that was an advertising tie-in uh, one of the first monarchs to secure a lucrative naming rights deal. Of course, there was a boom in transatlantic <laughs> travel uh, during her reign with the likes of uh, Walter Raleigh, himself sponsored by a kid's bike company from memory. Uh, Francis uh, <laughs> D. Rake uh, was a newly shaped garden implement and Minnie <laughs> Martin Frobisher, um, who was uh, yeah, the, the corner shops of... Uh, the, of, of Britain in the late 16th century. Really got behind. Um, on... Uh, on this day, in uh, 1989, the Exxon Valdez um, spilt uh, almost a quarter of a million barrels of crude oil into the coastal waters off Alaska. Uh, 11 million gallons, uh, uh, no less, which is a lot of gallons. Uh, a classic tale of corporate negligence, uh, corner and cost cutting, and more worryingly than the environmental damage and the loss of marine life. It surely has given the local seals, fishes and birds of the Alaskan coastline the opportunity to study oil and possibly come up with designs for their own internal combustion engines as they at some point launch the inevitable uh, fight back against uh, the human takeover of this planet. That's the last thing we need. Uh, and tomorrow, the 25th of March, uh, will be the anniversary of the founding of the city of Venice, the notoriously canaled uh, Italian uh, city, founded in 421 on the 25th of March. And they've recently discovered a diary belonging to the first ever mayor of Venice, Polpetius Venetianus. And um, a translation of the uh, second entry in his uh, diary uh, from the day after Venice was founded in 421, um, uh, recently unearthed in translation by the 15th century monk, monk Trevor of Snutterbridge. And this is that diary entry. And the day after Venice was founded. Day the second, weather, Clementine. This day, as the dog barked twelfth wise for the middling hour, I think that means midday, uh, a ship of great <laughs> besizement and heavenly luxuriatization cast its anchor a seawards, yet within means of our new city. When upon out therewith emerged several hundred visitators of touristic mien, who spent perchance a braceful of God's hours in bestrollment of our dwellage, following behind their king, who held aloft a pointy umbrellage, for that they might know where to tread and what to observe. They purchased for memority some commemorational knickknackages, then reversed into the great <laughs> ship and set sail for the next unmissability. So it appears the curse of uh, luxury cruises has been, uh, it's been there since Venice began. Wow. 
Wow, this is like a precursor to Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, watch it. It's a great film. Right. Let's, uh, is, is that the snooker one? Or, um, or yeah. Oh my God. That would be amazing. Let's make that version, Andy. <laughs> wow. I cannot believe that no one's come to that before. Of course you would. But uh, yeah, Triangle of Sadness. Um, <laughs> a very... A very sad Stephen Hendry. <laughs> it's honestly, I'm I'm kind of frustrated that that movie came out because Triangle of Sadness was going to be the name of my education program to ke- teach children geometry against their will. <laughs> uh, well, on that subject, uh, this week's section in the bin is looking at the future of cinema, mm. um, including um, the well. Th- this is something that's been widely advocated: multi-films in which a quartered screen shows not just the film, but also its three inevitable sequels concurrently to <laughs> save anyone the hassle of having to bother mm-hmm. coming back for the decreasingly effective follow-ups over subsequent years. Uh, also, the Bubbleplex Cinema, which gives everyone their own headset. You just fill out uh, an online form with your political beliefs, and then you get played a version of the film which aligns with those beliefs, so no one gets, gets challenged outside their uh, philosophical comfort zone. Um, also, uh, th- th- we look at the possibility of all car chase scenes in films just being replaced with an old-style hand-painted card like they used in film black and white. Mm-hmm silent films in the early 20th century just saying there was a car chase because frankly we've seen all the f***ing car chases we need to as a species uh, and also we examine the uh, proposal to open up the Oscars to films that haven't actually been made um, but could theoretically be made um, <laughs> so for example this year we could have had a best supporting actor to Harrison Ford for how he would have played the parts of celebrity 17th 18th century physics star Isaac Newton in the sci-fi blockbuster Revenge of the Alien Apple Monsters. Uh, anyway, that section <laughs> is in the bin. Hypothetical tour de force, that performance. <laughs> <laughs> Top story this week. Finland is too happy. Um, for the sixth year in a row, <laughs> Finland has topped the world happiness rankings. S- six years. I mean, this is... Rafael Nadal at Roland Garros level of domination <laughs> from the season Finns. upon season of greatness. They're <laughs> just churning it out, these happy <laughs> fuckers. Well, I mean, the question is, and we'll discuss it where, where other countries have come uh, later. It's not been a great, it's not been a particularly happy year for the United Kingdom, for example. But why is Finland doing so? Is it a direct correlation between a country's number of lakes? to number of people ratio and its overall level of happiness. Is it something to do with reindeer? Is it something to do with a limited choice of vowel sounds, which Finland definitely benefits from? Uh, or is it uh, a fine heritage in the somewhat arcane but occasionally useful skill of ski jumping? Uh, being able to hurl yourself <laughs> off a ramp whilst wearing skis and land on a hill without crashing, crying, or questioning your place in the unending battle between humankind and physics. Who knows? But Finland is absolutely bossing the art of happiness, despite not being a cricket-playing country. So how can you guys... Maybe because of that. I feel like you, Josh. I, I don't know. I think that cricket is maybe bringing down your overall level of happiness. Maybe you should try the Finnish method of abstinence. No. Oh, no. They just call it so. uncricket in Finland. Uh, <laughs> so wh- why do we think Finland is doing doing so well? You touched upon a few of them, Andy, but they've got Santa's house, they've got reindeer, they've got clean Mm -hmm. air, good education, 
188,000 lakes. I said it. They're lake sluts. <laughs> they're unstoppable. Wouldn't you be happy? Also, it does. Have you seen their prime minister? I mean, hubba hubba. I don't know how parliament gets anything done. I'd just be staring at her all day going, she's so dreamy. Like, she's young. She's funky. Like, I don't know how we could compete in the UK because our. Our Prime Minister, Josh, you're probably aware of this, is actually on a temp contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once a month, a deco sends in the next in rotation. And <laughs> the one we had to steer us through COVID doesn't look dreamy. He looks like he was caught with his droppers down and wrestled from a bale of hay at Meadfest. <laughs> so we don't have Santa's house, but we do have a, a, a house, a number 10, where a red-faced drunken man made lists of not of who's been naughty or nice, but who would bung in money in return for favours. So um <laughs> so Finland has Northern Lights. We have Southern Shites in the Tory party. <laughs> I think it's just the simplicity of their flag. Right. They're not wasting any time. There's no stars. There's no stripes. <laughs> They're just done that's i think that that shows there are decisive people there are people that don't require much in the way of accoutrement or razzle dazzle and i think that speaks well of their overall level of happiness and satisfaction (laughs) well i mean that's an interesting theory um thank you um and i guess we also have to ask you know what is what is happiness i mean it's one of the great Mm -hmm. philosophical Mm -hmm. questions you know opinions on what what happiness is have changed throughout the history of this great planet of ours i mean at one time people thought happiness was just lolling around in the sea being monocellular uh and nowadays several you know hundreds of millions of years on happiness is considered by many to just be laughing at a meme involving a cat with a quizzical face so <laughs> i mean w- the true nature of happiness has always been subjective I and mean, how how would you define true happiness mm. i mean that's interesting that that pause there is uh I mean, that reveals a lot, I think. Yeah, well, I think just... you got to ask someone, a uh, Finnish guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's an interesting thing that I think they're sort of trying to take into account when looking at this happiness index is the cultural difference, you mm-hmm. know, sort of like different cultures, what they deem to be happiness. So how can you measure it using one culture's idea of happiness? Um, basically, collectivism versus individualism. I personally have some very strong opinions about it. Uh, which is better but yeah it's um it's yeah is isn't it very individual how we experience happiness and how much uh, are you affected i should ask you to like are you this is like a pop psych quiz now <laughs> like are is your happiness affected by the happiness of other people around you or are you someone who's able to maintain your own equilibrium I'm terrible at maintaining my own e- equilibrium, to be honest. Um, and that um, doesn't have to be about other people. That can no. be completely independent. <laughs> I um, can be unhappy all by myself. <laughs> In fact, that's all, that's often the easiest way to be unhappy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. With your own thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's such an important question, though, the cultural bias, right? Because you look at the top of the list of these happiest countries, and it's like it's, there's something funny going on because all these countries are like as white as a salt shaker at the concession stand <laughs> of a Josh Groban concert. <laughs> it is white, white. And... uh and it's true, right? Happiness is relative. Like in, I live in New York City and culturally the, ha- the happiest level you can achieve is having enough to complain about that it keeps you busy, but not so much that you have to live on the street. That's the sweet spot. That's New York City happiness. 
<laughs> a lot of the countries that did very well are also uh, riding high in the, um, or riding low, in fact, in the World Corruption Index. Um, eight of the top ten countries in the Happiness Index are also in the top ten least corrupt. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know if there's you know, well, any... We don't know if they paid off the happiness people to say that. There might just be levels of corruption that we're not seeing yet. Well, the the US is higher than the UK, right? Mm -hmm. So the United States is 15, and you guys don't have health care. So that shows how bad it is. It does, emotionally speaking, feel like Brexit has caused kind of a great repression. (laughs) (laughs) And... I'm, I, we're, as you said, Tiff, we're fr- I'm in the United States where we're number 15, or as we pronounce it, number one. And <laughs> <laughs> specifically, I live in New York City, as I mentioned, but I'm from New England, where much like England Prime, happiness is kind of an afterthought, right? It's not the goal. <laughs> Priorities are like seeming successful to the people around you, rejecting change, and effectively sublimating all emotion into rabid sports fandom. Those <laughs> are the priorities. Happiness is like a distant fifteen. <laughs> well, I've said this before. We don't we don't hope for positivity. Like American audiences, when they go into shows, they go in kind of genuinely or generally as a rule, kind of going, "Well, this is going to be awesome," and British mm-hmm. people going, "Going, this is going to be shit." So that's where we set our level at. And then if it's good, we're like, "Oh, well, it wasn't shit." <laughs> so I think we just our baseline is just lower than than many other nations. I think I would do well there. <laughs> <laughs> kind of re- a reverse limbo just to just get over the bar so well let's look now at uh, some reasons why various countries might not be doing uh doing so well i think we're, we're, we're still ahead of uh still ahead of russia by quite a long way as well so that's uh, something to uh something oh to i just re- i just read in uh, a Russian newspaper that Russia is on the precipice of a gigantic military victory. So I don't know why they'd feel unhappy. <laughs> um, Russia came seventieth uh, on this, uh, according to the the link I've got now, which is bad news for the. Well, I think the the list goes down to about one hundred and thirty seventh. So that's that's bad. That's bad. There's sixty seven countries less happy than Russia at the moment. Uh, that's uh, that's not a good sign for our great species. But there's there's more countries than that. I'm curious about how happy those balloons are. Like, <laughs> oh, they're doing so bad, they wouldn't even talk to us. <laughs> they're not even picking up the phone when we call. <laughs> so let's look at uh, uh, America, which, yeah, as you say, likes to style itself as the greatest nation in the world, but isn't the happiest nation uh, in the world. And uh, one of the, the the people, I think, that is, can take a lot of credit for America avoiding being the happiest nation in the world is uh, former president uh, and insurrectionist uh, <laughs> Donald Trump. Um, and there's been a lot of... It, it's been quite hard to follow exactly what's going on in his potential arrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time, uh, Buglers, that you uh, audio read or listen to this part of the audio newspaper, it's possible that Trump will have been arrested. It's also possible, although less probable, that he will have handed himself in at his local police station and tearfully mm-hmm. admitted to a string of crimes, saying, I just want to come clean and learn to live with myself again. That does seem a bit <laughs> unlikely. Um, but apparently he's, he said that, that he seems, wants to be... <laughs> oh, sorry. I was going to say, that's, that, that seems slightly less probable than, uh, than another insurrection and him becoming president again by the time this episode is released. Um, 
He, he said he wants to be handcuffed for a perp walk uh, if he is arrested. This is all in relation to the Stormy Daniels uh, case and alleged uh, hus- uh, hush money. Um, I mean, and he is, I think, seems to be even more unhinged than he's generally uh, been, <laughs> even by his impressively unhinged standards. He he roared on social media, "Take our nation back!" Uh, now, I think that is what 80 million voters tried to do in November 2020. Uh, but <laughs> apparently, you know, he's this is what this is what he now wants. Josh, he wants he wants America back. How do, how do you feel about that? I mean, he's if he wants America back, he is going kind of the route of standing at the border with a boombox <laughs> begging. <laughs> it is kind of a Cusackian <laughs> patheticness. Um, he said he wants. It's true. He he keeps making a big deal, right? He keeps saying, they're going to come get me. You've got to protest. And people are not turning on big numbers. So now he's trying to make a spectacle of himself, right? He says if he does get arrested in in context of these Stormy Daniels hush money payments, he wants to be handcuffed. And not to kink shame, but that's none of my business, right? <laughs> I feel like that's less of a perp walk and more of a perv walk in this, <laughs> in this context. I, like, personally, I don't have a lot of hope in, like, bringing Donald Trump quote unquote to justice so i'm just rooting for things that make him unhappy to happen to him criminal charges sure but like being chased around by a small loud dog that would be pretty funny (laughs) um catching his balls in the zipper and his pants like ben stiller and there's something about mary like whatever it is i just want to be public (laughs) and embarrassing um but so he really wants this public spectacle right to make him seem like a persecuted martyr and and there's all this talk about what's going to be good for trump right oh it'll be good for him if people see him being marched in handcuffs because that'll rile up his his base and I just don't trust when people say that, right? Like, they think everything, like, Republicans will come up and be like, oh, that's what Trump wants. Like, everything will help in 24. Like, Trump could fall naked onto wet cement and have his butt cheeks sealed shut by concrete. <laughs> and when he needs to poop, it comes out his mouth. And pundits would be like, this is going to be huge with his base. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know about that. But again, I don't want to kick shame. <laughs> uh, talking shit. Huge with his yes. face. I th- yep. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> How is that so different than what brought him to prominence in the first place, I guess? I like how they've written about it in all the papers because it says he want, It said Trump has told advisors he wants to be handcuffed when he makes an appearance in court if he's in, uh, indicted by Manhattan Grand Jury for his role in paying hush money to adult film star Stormy Daniels. It just, they're, all, they're all written like, all of the articles I've read have written like it's a gumshoe talking about it in a film noir. <laughs> so I think that's how we should refer to all of it. And they're like, get the braces on that guy. He's talking a lot of flim flam. Get the stool pigeon on the blower. So, Donald, you offered that broad some cabbage to keep Sturm. Why, I ought to give you a Chicago overcoat. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> uh, he posted a picture of himself. Um, next to a picture of the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, um, who who could issue this uh, this uh, arrest warrant, and Trump is wielding a baseball bat, so he's threatening a judicial officer, a leading lawyer with a distinguished career and a long record of standing up for fairness and justice, two rather dated American values, but they are still on the <laughs> official list of American values, and Alvin Bragg is is a is a, a black man and who Trump has described as a danger to our country and an animal and he is wielding a baseball bat in this 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 rather incompetently mashed up picture um now i am starting to think that maybe trump is not quite the savior of american democracy that he likes to portray himself 
as there is something of, as Gary Lineker might have pointed out, something of the early to mid twentieth century about him. But <laughs> Josh, he's still odds-on favourite to be chosen by the Republican Party, the party of Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> as their presidential candidate in twenty twenty-four. What hope is there for humanity? Oh. Is that what we're clinging to? Hope? <laughs> Is that what we're supposed to be aspiring to? I mean, if we're looking to the uh, the Republican nominee for hope and humanity, I think it's it's thank you next. Let's see what next species <laughs> is is next in the line of succession for this planet. And it, it's it's him versus um, Ron DeSantis, right? That's that's who people and, and Nikki Haley, of course. But like, this is not a field that inspires hope. Right. This is, um, it, it's just, we just, the hope is anyone else. <laughs> and that's, which I think was Joe Biden's 2020 campaign slogan. <laughs> um, Rudy Giuliani, um, who you may remember, uh, sweating pure evil. Uh, <laughs> um, Rudy, from, is that Rudy from The Masked Singer? <laughs> <laughs> um, he, it was that scene from, um, fifth element wasn't it yeah uh, he <laughs> has declared that trump's arrest could quote signal the end of american civilization um now look, i know we live in the age of hyperbole in fact i would say that everything that is said by anyone today is as hyperbolic <laughs> as anything that's ever been said before possibly more so um but still even by today's standards this is this is a bit over the top isn't it the end of american civilization uh uh, this also is a man who uh, <laughs> was. There was an article I saw that he um, he's on Cameo, the site where you can pay celebrities to record things for you. And for three hundred and twenty-five dollars, he recited "I'm a Little Teapot." <laughs> well, for for six for six hundred dollars, Rudy Giuliani will file a lawsuit claiming that you are the rightful president of the United States. <laughs> His cameo works on tears, and you get a lot of bang for your buck. Black, black tears. He's a he's a hyperbolic guy, right? He used to go by America's Mayor, and like that's just a description of the president's job. <laughs> the president is already America's Mayor. In other uh, American news, well, TikTok has been grilled in Congress. Mm -hmm. The uh, CEO uh, of TikTok, um, Shuzi uh, Chu, coincidence also what Sean Connery used to say when asked what his favorite Credence Clearwater song was whilst eating a slightly over-large canopy, mm -hmm. uh, was grilled in a congressional hearing. Um, some people did criticize the, the Congress people involved, Republicans and Democrats, for being, quotes like an episode of The Bugle. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I didn't think of that. So what they, the words they actually said were, frustratingly verbose um but <laughs> it was it was kind of an interesting piece of sort of corporate political uh, drama uh u.s politicians concerned that tiktok user data could end up in the hands of the chinese government tiktok is a, a chinese owned company uh, are, are people uh, what is it you know ordinary americans facing a potential ban on tiktok uh, I mean, it's, it's obviously quite harrowing because there could be, you know, like a 25 minute period where people don't have a social media platform before somebody <laughs> else takes, it, takes its place. I mean, I think, how are people reacting, Josh? I think we've got to start here, right? 150 million Americans use TikTok. That's so many more than the number of Americans 
who vote. So <laughs> TikTok is just empirically more popular than the government that's investigating, right? <laughs> I say, let's just make TikTok the government. People are already engaged with it on a daily level. And Charlie D'Amelio wouldn't even be one of our 10 worst presidents in history. <laughs> just on the strength of her not actively committing genocide. <laughs> I think all of the questions and answers should have been done using viral challenges. Mm -hmm. I feel that's the only fair way to do it. So first you have to lip sync the terms of service. Then you need to cross-examine while doing the don't rush makeup challenge. <laughs> uh, then sum up your points doing a cha cha cha-cha slide right. <laughs> but i think i think what's interesting is that there are obviously valid concerns or questions to be raised but they've got they feel like so embarrassingly out of touch mm -hmm. that it kind of undermines the whole thing so like someone called it a tic-tac oh it's oh. the, the tic-tac app someone else someone else said uh, one of the remarks was that tiktok had a hydrocoxy chlorine tu tutorial and i mean didn't the former president give a hydrocoxy <laughs> mm -hmm. tutorial on live TV? Like, so I think there's valid concerns. Where's the third party data going? Obviously, at the minute in the UK, it's dangerous to mention a third party because Boris Johnson would be like, where? How? Look <laughs> over there. Um, but, you know, we, we know that Cambridge Analytica ran election interference on Facebook. So all of these apps have the potential to be used in a damaging way and there probably should be more stricter regulations but it sort of doesn't help your case when you're like like i think one of the questions was like can it access my wi-fi if i go on the app and the owner of to the ceo of tiktok's like well yeah you have to use the wi-fi <laughs> to get on, <laughs> to the, get on the internet <laughs> to get on the app In other China news, um, President Xi um, has uh, met with Vladimir Putin uh, over the last uh, week or so. Um, China has, has proposed a, a plan for uh, an end to the Ukraine uh, war, uh, or as um, Ron DeSantis called it, a territorial dispute, <laughs> um, uh, which it was about 10 days ago, I think he called it a territorial uh, dispute, showing that some aspects of Britishness remain in America, uh, Josh. <laughs> the the c capacity to write things off with classic British-style understatements, that is something that you've clung on to since the late 18th century. Just a territorial dispute. <laughs> which, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's like uh, describing World War One as the 20th century going through a slightly volatile adolescence or the Cold War nuclear testing race between uh, the Soviet Union and the USA of the 50s and 60s being a little bit of boom and a little bit of bang. <laughs> <laughs> let's, I mean, look, let's give credit where credit's due. Who would have thought a guy whose political enemies call Meatball Ron would be capable of <laughs> such understatement? <laughs> you have to respect the subtlety. Uh, this, this, this supposed partnership between China and and, and Russia, um, unlikely to be a partnership of equals, given that Putin is, well, I think, struggling for credibility and result. Currently, Vladimir Putin has the negotiation strength of an ice cream pawn in a game of volcano chess. And do not ask <laughs> how I researched that line. Um, also, he's been on the wrong end of an international arrest warrant. Um so, I mean, it is possible that Putin and Trump might be arrested on the same day. I mean, that would be a, that'd make an amazing television. I don't know which, what would the news lead with? In, maybe they could get a two-for-one deal and just try them both at the same time. I don't know. Well, we um, could always bring Boris in as a third. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It, I read that it said, this was the headline I read. It said, uh, Xi signs agreement with Russian pre- President Vladimir Putin cementing their No Limits partnership days after latter was issued an international arrest, arrest warrant. And I was like, wait, isn't this literally the plot to Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> <laughs> Negotiating hard and soft limits with a contract and an agreement, and then later on one of them gets taken to the Red Room. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's like a weird time to form an alliance with Vladimir Putin, right? Like, if I have a friend (laughs) who's on, like, the wrong side of a breakup, I don't even want to post him on my Instagram stories. I'm like, (laughs) I gotta wait till this cools down a little bit. Uh, UK news now. So, well, let's look at, uh, again, in in a little more detail, so why Britain is not currently happier. And uh, (laughs) this week, Boris Johnson, our uh, former prime minister uh, had to respond to questions in parliament um regarding the partygate scandal um and well what did i think of it well to be honest i, I didn't think anything of it because i could not physically bring myself to watch it i i, I realize that i have i'm way beyond the point of total johnson saturation he could have turned a cauliflower into a tennis playing walrus by reciting the lyrics to Too Shy by Kajagoogoo, and I would have thought, <laughs> please go away, I've just had enough. Um, so I sort of avoided... I mean, the thing is, no one's going to change their opinion on Johnson at this point, uh, Tiff. I mean, almost everyone in the country thought or assumed he was lying, and the remaining 23 people were largely unconvinced by his performance. So <laughs> I, I'm not sure anyone is really going to be swayed one way or the other. Um, well, yeah, I think actually... Um, uh, a friend of mine has a very different opinion maybe oh, right, to, okay. to the rest of us on, on the podcast. So she's asked, would she be allowed to speak All right. uh, on Boris's mm-hmm. behalf? Okay, this friend of yours being? Henrietta Mouthpiece. Okay, sure. that'd be great to hear um, from uh, Henrietta. Yeah. Fifth to the seat of Derbyshire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You probably know her. So, um, okay. Hello, Henrietta Mouthpiece here, erstwhile <laughs> columnist and opinion maker, just here with a plea to leave old Bozzer alone. What is happening now is tantamount to bullying, and I should know because I was actually head bully at Ethelden School for Girls who <laughs> married a titled cousin. Firstly, who is interviewing him? The Privileges Committee. See, already admitting they have privileges that Boris doesn't. Why should one group of people be above others? He's just a father, politician, and absolutely fantastic scrum bugger. <laughs> he put his hand on a Bible. What more do you heathens want from him? Was he advised badly? Of course he was, because many of his advisors told him the truth, that he would look bad if he got caught. And getting caught is not on him, is it? It's really on the people who caught him, because they are just jealous. Look, mm-hmm. a leaving do is not a party. It's a leaving do. Is a hairdo a party? No, Exactly. So why are these people grandstanding and gloating like they've uncovered some great truth about this nation's second best leader after Winnie himself? (laughs) It's really outrageous. Actually, I'll tell you who should be put on trial. Is it a trial? It's more like a witch hunt. Sue Gray. I'll tell you what, if she hadn't gone sticking her beak in where it wasn't wanted, we wouldn't be in this position we're in now, which is my whole family unable to access any government funding. (laughs) <laughs> for our plucky little interior design business catering exclusively to high-end political residences. <laughs> Awful stuff. Bozza, we're thinking of you. Also, side note, I do need a cheeky letter of recommendation for the youngest getting into Eton. <laughs> Call me. 
Wow, well, that's always good to get you know, both sides of the, the, it's the, stirring. the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, I don't like the name of it even, Party Gate. I think that we got to be done with gate. I think we should call this the fury over the Tory soiree. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Henrietta mentioned that the that Johnson held a copy of the Bible and swore to tell the truth. And I think I've laid my atheist cards on the table uh, quite frequently during the history of the bugle. But I think this might be the most conclusive proof of the non-existence of God that there has ever been. <laughs> In the history of humanity. Because if there was a God, seeing Boris Johnson hold a Bible and swear to tell the truth, the heavens would have instantly torn themselves asunder and he would have appeared shouting, for f***'s sake, that is too much, too much. <laughs> you'd, you'd think even just with all the, uh, the like intense storms brought on by our changing climate, we could have got a little lightning, right? <laughs> Just one strike. Rudeness news now. And, well, obviously, one of the things that is most guaranteed to make you happy is being rude to people. That is a fundamental state of human uh, existence. And a Canadian judge has leapt into the breach on behalf of all humanity by declaring that giving the middle finger is, quote, a God-given right. Um, this uh, came after a court case in Montreal. Um, uh, and uh, a man was accused of harassing a neighbour. Um, so if you're listening, Ron DeSantis, basically think of it as Ukraine, but a bit less. Um, <laughs> uh, it was a 26-page decision in which... <laughs> a 26-page decision on someone flipping a middle finger at their neighbour... Uh, the judge, Dennis uh, Galliat Satos, undoubtedly, that was the f***ing highlight of his entire legal career. A 26-page decision on someone flipping a bird. He must have absolutely loved it. And he wrote, flipping the proverbial bird is a God-given, charter-enshrined right that belongs to every red-blooded Canadian. Um, and I, was I it above the hedgerow? That's what I need to know. <laughs> that's cute right that's nice i think that's i think it's a, the right decision i think it's a it's but this is canada they're not going to exercise that right on a massive <laughs> scale they're too polite this is like if italy ruled it's a god-given right for men to move out of their mother's homes in their late 20s like yeah they can but they won't <laughs> but uh josh um, uh, america uh is also enshrined the right to be rude. that's right a, a, a court ruling from from massachusetts that's right. A, a woman described uh, participants in a town meeting as Hitlers and said that they're spending money like drunken sailors and they kicked her out and she sued. And they said a judge ruled, actually, you can be rude at a town meeting and they can't make you leave. And uh, that is an incredibly Massachusetts ruling, right? That's what's <laughs> to be expected from a state where the standard greeting is Yankees suck. Uh, <laughs> and that's coming from people who qualify themselves as Yankees. <laughs> so, so that is, I think, really beautiful. Like, from the Boston Tea Party onward, our country was founded on the principle that people from Massachusetts are allowed to be rude in a government <laughs> context. Do we not? Did no one ask what you do with a drunken sailor? <laughs> i don't think we want to hear her response <laughs> this case centered on, on the first amendment right to assemble right which is a harvard law 
professor described it, quote, the ugly duckling of the First Amendment, to which ugly ducklings across the street, uh, excuse me, to which ugly ducklings across the state replied, suck our f***ing duck dicks, you milk drinking eggheads. <laughs> As That's from the book Make Way for Ducklings. <laughs> that is from the, the, the award-winning children's book Make Way for Ducklings. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Bugle. Um, if you uh, want to feel happier over the next week, just mm-hmm. imagine sitting by a lake and feeling quite cold. And <laughs> you'll be halfway to being Finnish. Um, <laughs> so uh, thank you uh, for listening. Josh, do you have any uh, forthcoming shows or anything else you'd like to alert? I do. To? I'm all over the the US in the next few months. Um, joshgondelman.com slash schedule. And I also have been writing a weekly newspaper full of pep, or excuse me, newsletter full of pep talks. And it's joshgondelman, G-O-N-D-E-L-M-A-N dot substack dot com. Um, and, and I put all my tour dates in there. I'm, it's like 18 to 20 cities I'll be doing in the next few months. And if you're not in any of those places, I have a stand up special called People Pleaser that's available internationally. I think Vimeo is a place to find it outside the US. Tiff? I am on tour. Uh, I've just done my first tour date in Belfast, but the majority of them are in May. My show Sexy Brain. So go see that. Um, if you want the full info, go to my website, tiffstevenson.co.uk. Also listen to Catharsis, the brilliant podcast from the Bugle team. Um, we've got episodes coming up with Reese James, uh, Darren Harriet, Rachel Paris. Very, very excited about the guests that we've got in forthcoming eps. Uh, also, there is an episode available with Scottish uh, husband explains a hang himself, uh, a knee Scottish boyfriend. Uh, and also, <laughs> yeah. I, I would like to say before we end this, um, I'm going to exercise my right to be rude in a bugle meeting. <laughs> F- you, Chris. <laughs> oh. I actually consider that a compliment, (laughs) and thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for listening, Buglers. We'll be back next week with, hopefully, Nish Kumar and Felicity Ward. Uh, And I will play you out now with some more contributors to the Bugle Wall of Fame and their contributions to human civilization. To join the Bugle Voluntary Subscription Scheme to give a one-off or recurring contribution to keep the show free, flourishing, and independent, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the Donate button. Andrew Baderi was a key influence on the Apollo missions, having insisted that NASA do more than just quotes, get it up in the sky and then riff it from there. Tony Aiuto helped badminton to evolve as a sport by suggesting a compromise between the two rival factions, one of whom wanted to use chickens as the projectile item batted between the players, and the other of whom wanted to use replicas of spacecraft. Brad Scavio does not like to brag about it, but helped make the saxophone a popular musical instrument after discovering that people had been blowing into the wrong end, which was why it had not been working very well. Grace McClintock was the person responsible for the bouncy castle, becoming a much-loved part of modern human life, having discovered a 14th-century blueprint for an inflatable fort to be used during the Hundred Years' War. She realised it might be fun, even if militarily ineffective. Adam Pocock helped re-establish Shakespeare as a respected playwright by persuading people that the celebrity Stratfordian was not in fact the writer of the 1608 farce Say Hello to the Wiggly Worm. 
Joseph Scram, discovered that lizards can use their tongues to unlock any bank vault, but has never shared that knowledge because he respects the law. Peter Durietz calculated that the Colosseum in Rome, or ancient Rome as it was known then, was an entertainment arena rather than a giant communal bath. Not that anyone would put that past the Romans, to be fair. Matt Stevenson was a key influence on the musical career of pianist Daniel Barenboim, who before he became famous said to Matt, I just go plinky plonk and people seem to love it. Matt advised him to expand his repertoire. And Nancy Niles proved to all the sceptics that the number of stars in the sky was not in fact related to the number of times people had used a rude word that day that the various gods in heaven had to replace with asterisks like they do in oversensitive newspapers. Thank you to all entrants to the Bugle Wall of Fame. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.